Okay, let us discuss First First Contact on this, our last, last episode of the season, to discuss Lower Decks. The finale finale. Yes, exactly. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. So, how do you feel? We're now at the season finale. We've got two seasons under our belt of this show. Different than last season, of course. Certainly. Yeah. Um, but I, I very much enjoyed this finale. I liked that we it was a bigger episode. We, we talked about how we saw a phaser battle last week, which was surprising. And this week we sort of got a, you know, space rescue, space anomaly rescue, which was also surprising, but very cool. And so I'm, I'm very satisfied with the season. What I, I, I think one of the things about it that I thought worked really well is I, I was beginning to wonder if we were going to see a repeat of last season in that are they going to kind of pull out all the stops and bring in another legacy character toward the end or maybe as a surprise to kind of save the day. But they didn't. I mean, they, they decided to go the more dramatic route and actually make it a cliffhanger. I mean, last season was sort of, it was like a soft cliffhanger in a way, but yeah, like this was a dramatic cliffhanger, like in the style of like the best of both worlds or any other ones like it. Yes. And also they relied on their own characters. Yes, absolutely. Any legacy characters, they stood on their own two feet and they did it very well. And I think they delivered us a, a legitimately surprising um, ending of the episode. Did you feel like this episode was the word that I keep coming back to in my head? Is, did you feel like it was a, it was a little bit more ambitious than some of the other ones? Because there was a lot going on and a lot of real jeopardy that the crew was in. And to me, I it didn't. Think, yeah, I think in a way, yes. But similar to last week, ambitious only in the fact that the stakes are higher, I guess. Um, but I think the last two were both reasonably ambitious. I say reasonably because if this were happening every week, I think it wouldn't have the same impact, these, these sort of rescues or uh, phaser battles. So the fact that we've gone essentially right. two, two, almost two full seasons and only gotten one real kind of phaser battle. Right, um, last week. Yes, and then this big rescue of another ship i think well done so yeah i mean the opening tease ends on a fairly dramatic hook because mariner finds out that the captain might be leaving or is leaving to move on to another ship and now a more impressive assume not california class ship so. right because she can't take a senior staff with her yes and yeah so that was a big deal it was the, it was a twist that made it not happen, but I think uh, it was a good that, element to everything else that was happening in the episode to have that underlying everything. It does kind of answer something that I've always wondered about because as we've seen from the movie Generations into First Contact, you go from the Enterprise D to the Enterprise E and Picard does take his senior staff with him. Now, obviously, in the real world, that's because that's a cast of actors that need to stay together. But it does for me kind of like call into question, like how would that, how does that actually happen in the Star Trek world? Is a captain 
if he gets transferred to another vessel, is he allowed to say, I want this officer, I want that officer? Are there rules for that? Like, how does that actually work? And so Lower Decks, once again, um, is very good at addressing these sort of silent questions, these things I wonder about in the Star Trek right. world. Yeah. I would assume for Picard, particularly since he's the f- on the flagship and they're making a new ship. Right. He gets to do what he wants. Whereas, because it wasn't as if he was going from a lowly post to a prestigious one. Right. So she's sort of just should be thankful to be in- invited, you know? Right. She doesn't really get to make any demands. Um, But, and that's, this is sort of the... W- this is kind of the plot of the episode, right? So we learn of this information. Mariner knows about it. At the same time, this is happening coming from the captain's close friend, Captain Sonia Gomez, who hardcore fans will know. Sonia Gomez is an ensign seen in two episodes of The Next Generation. And she's famous for spilling hot chocolate all over Captain Picard in the episode Q Who, which is also the same episode when we first meet the Borg. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is this the loop episode? Is this the what? Is there a time loop in that episode? No, that's the first episode where they meet the Borg. Okay. The other episode that the other episode that she's in, yeah. the other episode she's in features the Packlets. Oh, yeah, it's oh, yeah. a Packlet experience as well. Correct. Uh-oh. I yep. wonder if that means she's responsible for framing what we're going to discuss. I wonder about that. It's interesting. Here's what I here's what I like about this. Now, that's a character that they didn't have to bring back, but I would not put it past Lower Decks to be bringing that character back anyway because they just sort of do whatever they want. They they sort of go over the ambiguous. They bring back some of those ambiguous or just like lesser talked about characters or uh, aliens, right? But I think I think it's great that she's back because she's just a character who was featured twice on the show across two, seven seasons she's really only memorable for that one scene that she did in Kihu by spilling chocolate, hot chocolate over Picard. But Mike McMahon, the creator of the show had said in an interview talking about her, that she's kind of like the original lower decker. Like she would have been a lower decker on the enterprise D. And I thought, yeah, that makes perfect sense. She may have chocolate is definitely something a lower decker would do. Spilling hot chocolate on Picard would have been something that I could have seen Boimler doing to somebody so i love that i love that connection so much and i never really thought about that despite the fact that there is an episode of next gen called lower decks but sonia gomez seems to fit personality wise her pro her personality fits better in with what the lower deck is that we see on the show lower decks hmm very effective use of a character and now I'm questioning her completely. Yep. I think you have every right to, but Mariner of course learns of this information that Freeman may be leaving to get another ship and she has not yet told her senior staff. So she uses it to tell her to tell Mariner decides to tell the senior staff. And this becomes a point of contention between Freeman and the senior staff throughout the remainder of the episode, including Mariner, which I found a little surprising because just given where we've been with them throughout the season, 
particularly like in the first episode of the season when the two of them don't enjoy working together, then a couple weeks back when they're spending quality time with each other and Mariner doesn't want to, it's interesting to see where we where we started from and where we ended up because Mariner doesn't want her to leave. Right. That, yeah, that seems to be what's underneath everything. It took right. her a while to realize that and it took someone telling her. Right, exactly. And meanwhile, as all this is unfolding, disaster strikes on Capt- on Captain Gomez's vessel, the USS Archimedes, and the ship is now hurtling toward a planet that they now have to save. They've got to save this ship before it actually causes, you know, a devastating catastrophe, if that, if that, as redundant as that may seem, on this planet. And we find ourselves in real jeopardy aboard the Cerritos, like real kind of like the solar flare. Say, say that again. Because uh, because they have to navigate the, through the solar flare, correct? In order to rescue, so that's something that they have to make ship modifications, which is a great yep trek trope, certainly mm-hmm. from next gen. Yes. The great ship modifications. It's it's interesting, right? So, like, I, I because this for me because this is sort of an ensemble episode. It's not really broken up by various character plots. They're all participating in this sort of main event of taking, getting the Cerritos ready to save this vessel. Exactly, but don't forget underneath it all. Boyan was just trying to have a successful Captain Freeman day. Correct. And, you know, all these things keep getting in the way of his primary mission. Right. Ass-kissing, as he's always always really good at, right? (laughs) But the notes that I took are more like me commenting on how great I think this part is, how much I think this works, how much I think... Because it's it's an episode really about sort of character journeys and sort of their own personal journeys and seeing how far they came but also it really for me reinforced lower decks understanding of the sort of of trek material and sort of like the sort of trek episode template so like when you have these moments you know one of my notes that i have is when you have the captain you have mariner you've got tendy and you've got rutherford all huddled around this table planning out how they can save this other ship. I mean, that's that's the conference room moment, right? Mm-hmm. You have a uh, a montage of all these officers on the Cerritos getting the ship ready to do what it is it needs to do. I mean, it makes me think of, you know, the Enterprise getting ready for battle in the Wrath of Khan or, you know, Voyager getting ready to go through Borg space in, in Scorpion and just all of these... All of these various places, all these various episodes throughout the franchise where you see these sorts of things happening with the crew all has to get together to everybody on the ship has to get together to get the ship ready for whatever is whatever the Herculean task is ahead of them. Mm, isn't there one where there's a moon, something about a moon and they have to change its gravity? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But like when I talk about like the montage of like, you know, when you see on in this episode, for example, when you're just doing all these different cutaways of the crew outside the ship getting releasing the panels like it's little things like that that just proved to me how much of an understanding lower decks not only has of like the star trek universe but sort of like 
the different things that various episodes in the past have done. Because even though you know we've had many, many Trek shows, there is a, particularly in the Berman era, they all do things in a very similar way. And so it just shows me that it has a full understanding of how episodes of those shows work. Definitely. And like I, I say, I just said a little while ago, you know, that they use the wonderful, or I, or I usually put a positive term in front of trope, which right. often trope has a negative connotation. But here, I see whenever I talk about a Star Trek trope being used in, in Lower Decks, I think it's, it's fantastic. It's always being used very tastefully, and it's very right. much... Um, you know, just those are the things that make it seem like a Star Trek show. Well, I think it's got to rehit some of these ideas. I think it's because when you say trope, at least in relation to a Lower Decks episode, to your point, trope has a bit of a negative connotation, right? Because it, it sort of suggests that like, oh, it's a trope. It's nothing new. It's it's something they're falling back on. It's something very creative. It's like, oh, it's, a, it's the usual sort of thing. Yeah, it's had a cookie cutter. It's a cookie cutter. But like Lower Decks may do them. But they they do them in a way that to let you know that they understand when to use them. And I think because they make great Star Trek. Right. I think right. that's the best reason to use them is because they make great Star Trek episodes. Right. And I think that, and this isn't me saying like, oh, you know, when I talk about like, again, the montage of the crew getting ready to do what they've got to do. It's not me saying, I wish I we had that in the new shows. It just tells me that they, it, it's just small details like that that convince me that Mike McMahon and his whole team who put this show together fully grasp like every little thing about what makes a Star Trek episode, especially yeah. all those tropes. And I understand you're not saying that that's, what you want to see on the other shows because we do that on our other podcast right the other correct right but um yeah we're in sort of a wild situation in this one so they so they have to they essentially have to take off the hull of the cerritos to get to where the archimedes is and we find us they have to navigate it just so right they're unprotected but we find ourselves in real sort of jeopardy here right and of course we're in the season finale which means pretty much anything could happen although i don't think that we think that they're going to do something a little too out of the ordinary but you never know the show could surprise you um how did you feel about sort of the stakes of the episode i mean were you were you into it or were you just kind of feeling like were you just kind of going along with it like Oh, no, I thought the stakes were fantastic. As a matter of fact, I wrote here that um, when we first see the solar flare take out Gomez's ship in the lap system, yeah. I thought it looked it looked really, really good. It looked cinematic. It looked like it right. could have been from a Star Trek film. I thought it looked so great. Um, I, yeah, I was, I was into the stakes. I thought it was perfect to have the interpersonal conflict yep. while they're trying to work out the difficult situation. Right. So I thought it was fantastic. And just, you know, solving a technical problem. Yep. A bunch of people solving a technical problem together is my favorite kind of Star Trek. Well, it was an interesting sort of situation where, like, you have... Because the Mariner has already informed the senior staff 
of Freeman wanting of going to another vessel before she gets to tell them. So naturally, they're all angry at her, right? And as the, just before this whole thing situation unfolds, they're all kind of like having an argument about it in Freeman's ready room, right? But they have to put that aside to deal with the situation, and it's this situation that sort of like mends the the rift between them because that's just that's just kind of what happens here, right? Freeman wants to move on, but then she it's almost like because we've seen Freeman in the past express her frustration with being on this ship and how she doesn't feel like Starfleet takes them seriously. So here's her opportunity to maybe land on a more prestige vessel. But out of this situation, she realizes that what she has is pretty damn good on the Cerritos and doesn't want to leave it. Yes, after they yeah, when they when they go through the situation, everyone rises up and yeah, she she sees that her crew is pretty great. Right. But all that is moot because she does not get the promotion and said she gets arrested. Right. Which was a bit of a which was a bit of a shock at the end, but Yes, yes. Various um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, also, so another part of the, you know, um, solving the technical problem is another excellent Star Trek trope, which is the last thing won't come off and you have to do it yes. by hand. Yes. I feel like you've seen this a lot. We have. Um, we have. But I think that it was fantastically deployed and allowed us to meet the Dolphin crew members, which In I think were the standout stars of this episode. I loved the fact that they w- they had uniforms on, they had consoles in the water, and they were also like they were very horny. They wanted Rutherford to jump in, like come skinny dipping with them. Yes, that was hilarious. They continuously flirted with right. Rutherford, right, every single time. Right. Another part of them I thought was hilarious was that. Uh, at a point, one of them was surprised to learn that Mariner was the captain's daughter. Mm-hmm. The, other one said, the other one kind of scolded them. Come on, keep up. As if right. they've just been kind of in their little water area following all the gossip of the ship. Just before the other one had asked Rutherford again to come take off his uniform and jump in, right? No, you need to keep up, right? Yeah, yeah. it was because we've been teased about cetacean ops really since the first episode of the series and we finally get to we finally got to see it. So I hope that we do see those characters again. It's not clear to me why they're on the ship. Or, I mean, are they officers, I guess? Because they're wearing uniforms, so clearly. Yes. Why is there a water part of the ship? Is it just for them? Or did they bring them on because there was a water part? Do right. all California ships have a water part? Exactly. They do, they do, hey, you know what? Maybe that's also where they were going swimming. Yeah. In that episode, I wanted to know. Um, so by the time Boimler had to swim down to get the uh, latch, I even wrote in my notes, like, I wrote... <laughs> And this is not something I would normally say about the show. I wrote, this is thrilling, exclamation point. Stakes yeah. are high, and I really care. I yes. was into it. And he yes. was diving down. I was on the edge of my seat. This really was very effective. You know what is, I, I, us the high stakes situation. I had the same thought, and I, and I asked myself, is it, because this, is it because it's underwater, and just the fear of drowning is just so palpable? Well, sure, yeah, that's an yeah. added element. Yeah. And then when he did drown... Right, and I knew it was likely a fake out, but of course, still, right, it was still perfect. You know, but, right before the commercial break. If I know you don't have the commercials, I do. But uh, right. right before the commercial break, 
Mm-hmm. He drowned right before the commercial break. He's unconscious. He's underwater. He's dying. But I think Cut what you commercial. But I think what you were saying about this, though, despite the fact that you just said to me, you you knew it was going to be a fake death anyway, right? Yeah. But just before that, though, you were in. You said this is thrilling. This is, and I know I've said versions of this throughout this season. But when you know underneath all that that this is probably going to be a fake out anyway, but the fact that you were still enthralled by what was happening, to me, really proves how well the show was put together, how well the characters are established. Yeah, I mean, how much I care about the characters. We now have 10 hours of this show, which doesn't even equate to like an episode, a season of Discovery. It does for Picard now, really, but um, it's really amazing to me. I'm still amazed by the fact that we are so invested in these characters, and yet, yes. really, when you think about it, at least up until this episode, they're the, they're the characters of the new shows that we have spent the least amount of time with, and yet... I think it's safe to say that you and I, I, don't, I mean, I am, I, and I think I can save enough to speak for you in this. We're the most invested in these ones, of, in these characters of the new show. And yet we've spent the least amount of time with them. Yes, yes. I mean, we have talked about how Picard also did a very good job of getting us to care about the characters. Right. Give them credit. Right. I think, you know what it is? I, th- I feel like the Lower Decks crew, to me, they feel more relatable. Yes, yes, I get that. Yeah, I'm not a, I don't know, like a, <laughs> yeah. So this sort of like archetype trope, some of the Picard characters, like the captain, you know, right. the captain who now is turned to alcohol and is down on his life. Yeah, like they're all kind of, yeah. on some level, they're all kind of like damaged individuals, right? Which for me doesn't necessarily mean some, which doesn't necessarily translate to compelling, oh, right? I, can relate. I mean, I can relate to that, but like, that I think it's because it's things like that that I don't want to be reminded of. I don't, yeah. you know, I want to be, I want to escape from all of that. Yeah. Right. So I think also lower decks. You know this term of blue skies television. I don't actually. Okay. What well, was the thing? And I think it was USA Network that mm-hmm. coined the term, and they said like, "We want blue sky shows only," and it's like optimistic mm. you know it may not be perfect for the characters but it's always like pretty light and nice in the relationships and whatnot so i don't know i feel like this is good over blue sky show it's like it's nice it feels good to go to the world right um what i do want to ask you so a little bit of a sub sort of like a thread really throughout the episode so you have rutherford who is having issues with his implant again and he mentions like he has a backup of a backup of a backup of all of his memories because he doesn't want to lose anything so he keeps getting all these error warnings coming up blocking his view so he ultimately decides to delete all of those extra memories and we're seeing a brief flash of something rather mysterious which kind of came out of nowhere right say again seems section 31 yeah so um, it doesn't at this point, anyway, seem related to anything that's going on. I, I would highly doubt that it is. Um, it was sort of 
a bit out of left field, but still kind of like, what's going on here? Do you have any guesses? I mean, you just got as much said, I guess, Section 31, but I hope not. Yeah, I think it's a seed that's planted that we will explore in the future, but somehow his implant was part of a covert operation or a conspiracy of some kind because they say um, he'll think this was voluntary. Yeah, because we don't know the full story why he has that. No, but I guess someone made him think that he requested it or something mm. when really someone put it on him for reasons that we can't know yet. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very, very compelled by that, and so I want to don't dangle that in front of us for too long, please. <laughs> At least it was brief enough that um, we should get something out of it. Now, here's the thing about it, and I, you know, we try not to do this, but we have to. Uh, it reminds me a lot of um. Mirror Giorgio's flashes in the mm-hmm. last season of Discovery. Right. Where we got a mysterious flash clearly alluding to something bigger happening and to be paid off later. I feel a lot more secure that it's going to be paid off in a way that I will enjoy on this show. And I know we we certainly discussed how we did not think that was handled very well in the other show. So uh, it will be interesting to see another team tackle sort of a similar setup of a little nugget that has to become something more later. Right, because in the midst of all of this chaos that was happening around them, it didn't seem like it was related to anything that was going on, and it probably isn't. But, so, but that's, for me, part of why it was so confusing. What's happening yeah. here, right? And the sh- And the show doesn't really have much of a history of doing those kinds of things. They generally stay on track and don't. Yeah. We got it this season with the pack leads. Right. Not only that we saw them multiple times, but that this uh, Captain Freeman's arrest was directly related to the moment when she went to rescue the Klingons from the pack leads and then they took off and and they had the firefight with the pack leads. So that's the direct thread and it's something where now we're left to do what we generally don't have to do on this show which is speculate yeah i mean we what's going on here how how did they think that she did this does it have something to do with his implant was he programmed to do something right i mean we we did some speculation last season when boimler got transferred to the titan but Again, that was not a dramatic hook. It was just sort of like a... What do you think will happen? What do you think will happen? This is a real mystery now. This is a... That's what I should be saying. That Boimler... We do... Season one ended with some things that needed to be addressed, but it wasn't on a mysterious note. Right? This has, like, questions that need to be answered on those two fronts. Yes, and ones that are exciting to look forward to. Right. Which is why, what happened? How did Mariner get framed? For, I mean, how did Freeman get framed for this? And what, if any, connection does um, yeah. Rutherford's implant have to do with it? The, the other stuff. Sub- what does Gomez have to do? I'm wondering that because you, because again, so I had mentioned when we had mentioned earlier in the, in the episode, in the beginning of this episode that 
one of the episodes that Sonia Gomez was featured in on Next Gen, because she's only in two, the other one, I believe it's Samaritan Snare, features the Packlets. Oh, yes, I like that episode. So that can't be a an accident. Right. I think as you would say, and maybe you'll be happy about this, that can't be a coincidence like uh, the Borg were supposed to be in season two. Oh, it just so happened to be, you know, yeah. Yes. No, but Mike McMahon has over and over again, whether it's in the show or in various interviews, I like I get it, Mike, you are a huge fan of next gen. You know your shit. So I. I I'm sure like there are Easter eggs that he just throws in there just because it would be fun. But to go back and feature Sonia Gomez, who is voiced by the original actress. The fact that her character initially on Next Gen dealt with the Packleds, who happened to also be your sort of recurring enemies for the season. Like, you, you made that decision. That was a conscious decision you made to bring her on the show. It's like saying opposition is useless. Right. But... I mean, this is what I love about some of these new Trek shows. Because we were doing this with Picard as well, I think. We were, uh, after the first episode. Speculating? It's, trying to yeah, solve the fight to figure out the mystery, yes. Well, try, not, but trying to figure out the mystery and reaching back into Trek's rich universe. It wasn't like we could just... Make a guess and say, well, maybe it's going to be something like this or something like that. Like just sort of yeah. making something Columbo up. Episode. No, but like we were going back and like because you, we were going back and making. So in other words, like when they mentioned Bruce Maddox, for example, in the first episode of Picard. Then we go back and watch Measure of a Man to kind of look for clues there someplace. Yeah. Or like are they seeding anything in this that eventually, and- you know, connects to Picard? And that is why not seeing lore or mentioning lore is still a sticking point for me. Well, because right. anyone that even thought for a second about past things that might be relevant would right. come up with lore. But my right, and but my point is, I love the idea that we can reach back into this Trek lore to look for answers, to look for potential answers here, or look for potential connections. Because again, I I don't think Sonia Gomez was used just because. Oh, it'd be fun to bring her back. That I. That's a. Right. Why? Yeah, that's a conscious decision that was made. Totally. Yeah. Totally. It's yeah. That's not just a haphazard. Yeah. Pick any character. Bring him back. Which um. Like bringing. Like, there are so many people you could bring back. Why Gomez specifically, right? Like, bringing that loser guy from Next Gen onto uh, the future of Voyager. <laughs> I think of his name, though. The I don't... loser guy who, who, who. The loser guy in Voyager who, in the finale, was a professor at the. At the Barkley. Uh, yeah, Barkley. Barkley. Yeah, oh, Barkley. Yeah. Why was it Barkley? It didn't, that didn't add anything. I just think because Dwight Schultz was available. Um, yeah, exactly. See, this was not one of those. I was putting that out as a, as a the way to not. I think to your point, like the 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 role that Barkley played on Voyager could have been anybody. It could have been an original character. 
Yes. That wasn't, to me, that was not specific to Barkley. Like, you could have just made up a character and done the same thing. It was Barkley just for kicks. Right. So, the other sort of subplot of this episode that we don't really get too much on, but I did want to bring it up so we don't forget about it, uh, is Tendi. So, Tendi, of course, is going through the episode because she sees something. She sees her name get deleted from the database. And... So now she's fearful that she's getting transferred off the ship. So she's just making assumptions and she's acting like this is just going to be, this is my last day on the ship. So her and Rutherford, you know, go on a tour and they go back and revisit their favorite spots on the ship. Which is very cute. I'll tell you, dude, like I I never grow tired of watching their friendship. I honestly never do. I just, I love it so much. Um, And I just love Noelle Wells doing her voice. Like she's just so good at it. But it turns out that it's not even true. She's actually moving up in rank. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I said you, you're, you, you were a fast learner. Yep. You know, you can handle everything I throw at you. Like you're wasted in medical. Right. Which but, was interesting too, because it sort of acknowledged the cat lady was acknowledging that she herself is, you know, what did she say? Like giving. I forget what they said, but essentially, she kind of said that their job is very easy in right. medical. I, I, so he wants to be science officer. What 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 I speculate about though is she still lower decks at that point? Well, perhaps because she's just on the training program, right? Yeah. So it's like Jilly. Oh yeah. 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 Well, because you had said to me, which is something I want to address here now. Last week, that Vulcan who. You oh, and I are fairly like, convinced they're going to come to the captain. Cerritos. Say again? She's going to be the new captain. You think that Vulcan is going to be the new captain? Yes. Oh, no. Come no. On. The Vulcan crew member from from last week? The lower decker? Yep. You think that That's lower decker is going to be the captain? Oh, no. I don't think so at all. But she's a Vulcan. So a Vulcan lower decker is like a... Why are you, uh, why you, uh, why are you being racist? Um... Studies have shown no. that Vulcans are smarter than humans. No, I don't agree Vulcans with that at all. Think, Vulcans would think that. Vulcans would Vulcan think would that. Like, Our lower yes. decker is worth three of your captains. Right, but it's not a college transfer here. Okay, If you're going to come into Starfleet, you've got to start from the bottom. Yeah, but don't you think that the Vulcans have particular sway in Starfleet? They can make some calls? No. They're no. founding member. They, they first contacted Earth. Starfleet? No, they were a founding member of the Federation, not Starfleet. All right, yeah. sure. Yes, so, um, well, they, I mean, maybe they could be, could be. I mean, they were on Earth when Starfleet was established. But think going to replace Tendi? But to your question, no, I, I, I don't think that they have particular sway. I don't think she's going to be captain. She was the lower deckers on the Vulcan ship. I think she's. We were talking last week that we think she's going to be a lower decker, and I was begin where I was going with that is does she step into? I mean, Tendi would still be on the show, yes. But does she? Yeah, that's what uh, yeah. I wanted. That makes sense. So, who do you think the new captain will be then? Because didn't they say? So, Ransom thought it would be him, and they said, "No, we have someone in mind." Here, here is what I'm hoping for, and I, and I, when we do the season wrap up, I want to, because uh, I think we did this with Picard and probably Discovery, um, talk about what we hope to see. Do we have any predictions for next season? And this, this Jordy show, Captain Jordy LaForge. Oh my God! Please get over it. Um, uh, best character in so what I'm hoping happens on the captain side of things 
is I'm hoping they pull a next gen chain of command episode chain of command thing. I'm hoping that we, so first off, I'm just going to preface this by saying, I don't want the Freeman, Captain Freeman stuff to be resolved as quickly as the Boimler stuff was this season. Yeah, I expect it will. I I hope it's not, but I want them to play this out a little bit longer because what I would like to see happen, what I think would be interesting is I would love to see Lower Decks bring in another captain for the Cerritos. That a la put, Pike on Discovery. Well, one that like like almost like a one that kind of changes the dynamics of of how the ship is run. Sort of like the way Captain Jellico did in Chain of Command, right? Oh, yes. But maybe they take the humorous route, right? Instead right. of the serious well, whatever one. Whatever it is, certainly it's gonna be different for Mariner. Right. Your mom. Exactly. Whatever. Like what if you bring in a captain and now Mariner can't be the sort of loose cannon that she is because her mom is not captain anymore. Yeah. I wonder, though, if the if the temptation to have it be a legacy character will be too great. You know, I I, I, I hope not. I, I hope it's not a legacy character. Command kind of thing. Like operating captain only for a brief period of time until they get a permanent replacement. Well, okay, I'll put it this way. I think it would be funny if it was Captain Jellico again. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. yeah. Would you how let me ask you this, because we talk about how in spite of all of this, the show doesn't take big risks because they seem to reset these things. Right? Boimler, I'm talking of course I mentioned Boimler, Shax, right? Uh-huh. Um, they don't fully commit to it because they, they end up pushing the reset button. Um What would you do if they actually didn't this time? And we find out that Freeman actually did do that. Uh, I just don't think it would work for the reality of the show that's been set up. I think it would be a very big disappointment. I mean, I, I would, I, I would more likely accept that she's convicted of a crime she didn't commit than she actually right. did. I wouldn't be disappointed in the, the behind the scenes. I'd be disappointed in the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that it'd be a bold yeah, move. But, It'd be a bold move if they did that, but I'd be disappointed in the character. But you know what? Now that I think about it, and I've said this before, there have been times that I've said Freeman does not act like a captain. Yeah. Where she's done things for petty reasons. Right. But those were minor compared to this. So I guess they could make a case for it, I suppose. Right. But I still think it would not work unless they really did it well. Well, I think I agree with you, but I think if we take it a step further, what is the what is she hoping to what's the end goal here? Like what is she hoping to to get out of this? So yeah, I mean, I but let's save we have to sit on this episode a little bit more. Um but let's save our speculation when we do our season wrap up. Uh, next week. Yes, we have time to consider the whole season. Right. So, um, but I think I felt like this season, this episode ended the season on a bit of a stronger note than last season. This episode was less reliant on bringing in a legacy character. Because again, I wondered if they were going to do that at the last moment. Right? And surprise us. Yeah. Um, The other thing I think that really effective is that 
they set us up to leave the season on such a high note. They do their first first contact. Right. And there's even sort of get up mildly humorous moment where it seems like it's not going to go well. And then the alien says, um, you know, let's drink. And then they start partying. You right. Know? So a very, right. um, a very positive note to potentially leave it on. But then Freeman gets arrested right after. So it's like brings you up very high and then drops you down very low, which I think was also super effective. Well, you know what I think, but when they when they refer to it as first for now, remember the name of the first episode of the series is called Second Contact. Yeah. So that's when they were relegated to after the crew, after another crew has first contact. They're now the crew that has to come in and sort of like get them set up, right? Yes. You miss the parties and the celebration. Right. Exactly. So we've gone from that to this, yes. and don't you when you see where the Cerritos has gone particularly in the last couple of episodes. I think I said something to the, to the effect of this a few weeks ago where I feel like the show is beginning to, in some ways, outgrow its premise. I'm beginning to feel like the show is taking, it's be, is very is beginning to take the Lower Decks sort of story to the next level. I Maybe, but at the same time, Yes, they rise up to that level, but what happens to them? They immediately get smacked back down by Matt Freeman being arrested. Right. So they're well. I, I don't dancing think to the edge. I don't think I don't. But the thing is, I don't know that Freeman's arrest changes that though, because the characters themselves, I feel like, are getting to that next level. I don't think that what because this is all about Freeman, not about the Cerritos. Yeah, but Freeman. Cerrito still, I think that they just, by policy, don't send California class on first contacts. The only reason it happened here, this is the only time that would happen because the other ship right. was put out of commission and they had to do it in that time frame. Right. So I don't think anything's going to make the ship get any better than it is. Mm-hmm. I think that, of course, people will be moving up. Like That's what I mean. Tendi. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. But that's it. Only Tendi, though, I should see. But don't you feel like, the char- like they have, I mean... Tendi's the most obvious because she actually got a promotion. But don't you feel like the characters have like really developed a lot in the last couple of episodes? Like they're definitely not where they used to be. Yeah. They have more probably more self-respect. Yeah. So they don't maybe they don't have that lower decks mentality, although the lower decks are still lower decks and right. and I think we've seen this show's willingness to reset at status quo right that's what i'm worried about well and also i mean when you had boimler kind of save the day at the last minute there i when i think about it i kind of feel like the trek trope there would be the captain takes him aside and says great job lieutenant or excuse me great job ensign you know, does he? Because remember a couple of weeks ago when he managed to? It was during the it was the red shirt episode when Boimler managed to talk Tendy down and he fixed the whole situation. And Ransom said, "Nice job, Benson." And you mm-hmm. know, so he does something even greater this time by actually kind of saving the Cerritos at the last moment. I thought yeah. to myself, like he's clearly demonstrating, like what a great Starfleet officer is. You know, he's demonstrating this great amount of courage. 
Now, I'm not saying did I think he was going to get promoted in this episode, but I definitely think that he... I, if, if he did get promoted, I don't think that I would have been... It would have felt right that he got promoted at the end of this episode because he's demonstrated that he's capable of performing. So I feel like he's made... He's grown quite a bit. I mean, maybe you know it's not reflected in like a rank, but at least as a character anyway... You wouldn't have seen him do that last season, I don't think. That's a fair point. Yeah. I do think now that the hierarchy of the ship will certainly be thrown into disarray. Yes. So I think what may have been a guaranteed promotion now is questionable. So final thoughts on the episode. Um, Well, I want to know what the rubber ducky room is. (laughs) Yes, so do I. Which I hope we could uh, see that. And interestingly, we finally saw, I forget his name, but the character who joined Lower Decks briefly when um, Boimler left. Yes. We saw him, and he was at the therapist. Jet. Yes, Jet yeah. was at the therapist. So mm-hmm. I wonder if he was talking about how he was, um, you know, adopted by this group and then completely abandoned. I wonder about that too, yeah. That's a good um, point. But final thoughts... No, uh, the space station at the beginning reminded me of regular one. That was the only thing I hadn't mentioned. Oh, and well, it's the space station from three. What's that? It's the space station from Search for Spock. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Mariners has a faux Andorian frenemy. Uh, that's interesting. Jen. Yes. Yeah. Wait, what? Wait, she has a say that again. She has a what? An Andorian frenemy. From the opening scene, which I yeah. really thought you hated me, that whole thing. That's Jen. That's Jen? Jen, yeah. Jen, okay, Jen. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, since we do, do typically talk about these things sometimes, um, there was a statement made by... Okay. That was good. Someone asked their asked him the question. I think his answer is fantastic. Like, so is Mariner bisexual? Because now she seems to be dating this girl. And his answer was kind of like, it's not fucking important. It's not what her character is. It's not about her romantic relationships. It doesn't matter. She dates men. She dates women. But it doesn't matter. Well said. So, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I knew she was already. I don't know how. Something about her whole vibe. But so I'm just glad that that's you know. These things come up a lot. It makes some people yep. happy. It makes some people angry. And um, I do think also they did it by, they made the statement by not making a statement. Exactly. She was and no one mentioned it because it's so normal oh. that it's not worth mentioning. You know, I'm going to go back to this. I'm just going to, and I'm going to, I, I want to, I'm going to ask you point blank. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your answer. Why does the show do it so well? Okay, I'll give you a couple of reasons. Because you were saying that about Chekhov. Like, that was the statement, right? Yes. And it just goes back to me saying, like, Lower Decks just, from all aspects of it, of Trek, but whether it's the universe, whether it's the tropes or making a statement, they just, they get it. Yeah, I, so here's why I think, and I think this is, will sound sort of like a cliche thing, and you know, yeah. every show will claim this, Yeah. but I think here it's really true. Here you have 
a showrunner, head writer, that is, a lover of Star Trek, and they get Star Trek. And I think they're being allowed, probably because this is an animated show, the budget's not as high, the pressures aren't as high, they're being allowed to just do their thing. It's not the flagship show of Paramount Plus. Right, so yeah. I'm writing. Right. Sort of an experiment, probably. And right. I think that you it Yeah, I think that's kind of it. Someone that loves Star Trek and gets it and doesn't have any other pressures than like making a cool show. Right. That's funny that Yeah. That you can use all their love of Star Trek to to um to make. And it's interesting because I guess the fact that he was on Rick and Morty, an animated show that is funny, and a crappy vampire show is a live action show. So I guess that has something more in common with Discovery. But uh, I just think that it goes to show that it is the understanding of Trek that's more important than any pedigree. I think, and when we say, like, when I say get it, right? When, you, you when like, Getting Star Trek to me isn't just understanding the world of it. That's a big piece of it. But it's not just that's not just understanding the world. It's not just it's not about just understanding the world of the lore. Yeah, like knowing where, where, what aliens do what and who lives where. And all it's that. it's because when I talk about how you know you talk about how they've got you know they love those conference room scenes, right? We loved what we were hearing Akiva Goldsman say that they're going to do that in uh, Strange New Worlds. When I talk about like. Uh, showing us that montage of every of the crew working together to get the Cerritos ready to do what they've got to do. Um, it's you know the tropes, if you will. It's it's little things like that, like because oh. Trek Trek is much more than just again understanding the world. Yes. There are certain things. There's a certain formula. There are certain. There's almost a there's almost like a template in some ways, a very loose template well, of what makes a Star Trek episode. Here's something that I think we've talked about before. Not only does he get it, but he's also someone who doesn't think you need to um, jazz it up. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have that whole like this isn't your grandpa's Star Trek vibe, right? vibe is like, well, this is your grandpa's Star Trek. We just put him against some more goofy jokes. That right. seems to be the way they're approaching it. Um, whereas other ones seem to be thinking like, oh, we have to reinvent it. We have to shock and surprise. We have to right. turn it on its head. That's and the thing. People like Star Trek because of its sort of mm, boring consistency in one well, way. I mean, I because... hate to put it that way, but or just consistency. No, you're right because when it, I think I think a good way of describing it in a way is like it's comfort food, right? Dis, um, lower decks doesn't feel like it has to come and shake up the formula because I think its attitude is like, why do we need to shake up a formula that's clearly worked for across four different shows? I mean, I'm referring to the Berman era, of course. Why should that? Why do we need to change that? It's a show that loves that world. It's a show that wants to live alongside those shows so you know somebody like mike mcmahon may come along and say why do we need to do that right and yeah, when you think yeah. about like when 
to yeah. get macaroni and cheese. I don't need truffle oil and a raspberry compote with it. I right. just want some macaroni and cheese. And it's also next generation and Voyager specifically. Um, I see, I'm seeing a lot of people in the last five, maybe 10 years since those shows have gone on streaming who they may not be huge, huge Star Trek fans, but they like those shows. So when you talk about like, it's not your grandfather's Star Trek, right? There are still people, new fans watching those shows, discovering those shows. So it's not as if we're dealing with like a show whose audience is dying off, right? New people are coming in watching those shows. Right, and they know it. Yes. Because they have those numbers. So yes. They know how big of numbers that these shows are doing. So right. It is interesting that they put so much, the flagship is this reinvention when they already know the numbers are huge on the, the old show. But those are all behind the scenes things. Right. But, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's not that I don't applaud Discovery or Picard for wanting to try to shake up the formula. Like, that's fine. Yeah, and but I mean, <laughs> as yeah, long as you have not yeah. I mean, honestly, we're really talking about discovery, right? Because yes, Picard shook it up, but we were satisfied with that shakeup, right? It did actually shake it up a lot. Now that I think about it, well, as we said, I mean, the whole show is a character piece. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a character study in some ways. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it just you don't need to. It's almost like they come into these shows wanting to shake them up just for the sake of shaking them up. Shake them, just because yeah. they feel like it, not because they... Well, there's no need for it. There's no need for it. Because again, I mean, it's it, when you have this sort of formula, which has clearly worked in four other spinoffs from TNG to Enterprise, right? I mean, if anything, what those shows needed or particularly maybe Voyager and Enterprise toward the end was you just needed some fresh blood in there to kind of reinvigorate them with some new stories. The, the, the sort of template of the episode, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's it, what it comes down to is telling us a good story because once you tell us a good story, I don't care about everything else. Nothing else matters to me. True story, true story. So now funniest lines of the episode. I have four I have many. I have three. Okay. In this one. So I feel like we're gonna have one gonna be we're gonna have the same. Okay. Well let me read mine first. Okay. So first is Captain Freeman. Did someone buy a mood altering plant on the station or something? Huh. Um Shacks. When he says, nothing explodes around here unless I'm the one blowing it up. That's good. And then the doctor and Tendi. Like Chadzia Dax? Who the fuck is that? I don't know who that is. Yes. That was mine. That was yours? Um, yeah. So let me see. I got it exactly quoted here. So it says, yeah, like Chadzia Dax. She says, I don't know who the fuck that is. I yeah. mean, like Spock. <laughs> because it threw me off because... How- Bruff it, she is. Well, it, I liked how bruff it was, but it threw me off because it was the first time that like a reference was made where one of the characters was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, wow, who do I know who that is? And it was very funny because 
I don't think anyone would know Jadzia Dak. Right, exactly. But yet we've always sort of maybe poke fun at the show that it just seems like everybody knows who they are as if they're fans of the franchise. But then you have that yeah, one I mean, person who's like, I don't know who that is. Tom Paris is super famous, but Jadzia Dax isn't. Right. So you finally get that situation where somebody's like, I don't know who that is. What are you talking about? Yep. That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, let me see. So my other funniest, I do like that when Boimler first came conscious, he said, did I miss Captain Freeman day? Yes. First question. I, did, I love the the whale. I mean, the dolphin telling the other one to keep up about yep. the gospel of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then weirdly, this one when um, we were on the we were on the uh, the Archimedes, and we had the two characters talking. One said, "I'll have a break in." I think it was the captain actually, Captain Gomez. I'll have a break in seven hours. Either way. Yes. Said, in seven hours, you'll be dead. Oh, I see what you did. There. I almost wrote that down, and then I was like, "No, I have enough." Like, but that would that would if I had I added another one, that would have been my other one. And it's such an obvious joke, but I think it was the performance of the character reacting to the captain. Yeah, was like, very, oh, very good. yeah, the way he's like, the way he said, "Oh, I see what you did." Yeah, they actually were very like surprised and impressed by that. Right, so right. That was funny, and also that was a very badass captain thing to say. Yes, yes. All right, well, that'll. Bring up, bring an end to season two of Star Trek Lower Decks. We've now got two seasons of the show under our belts, which is really, really hard to believe. But we'll be back next week to discuss the season wrap-up of the show. So And expect a lot of speculation about the rubber ducky room, its location on the ship, its function on the ship, who frequents the rubber ducky room. I suspect Bert from Sesame Street, but you know. Say, you know, we we talk about how we can always point to lore to maybe find a to speculate. I can't think of anything. Yeah, because I think Shax goes there a lot to help with his rage. I would totally buy that Shax has a rubber ducky. Mm-hmm. It would just the juxtaposition is just too delicious not to not to not to imagine. So. Um, but until then, all that more next time on Star Trek We Trust. And until then, you can tweet us at Star Trek We Trust and follow us on Instagram at Star Trek in Star Trek We Trust podcast. So until then, peace out, rock stars. Live long and perspire, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>